Lord, may the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you have what you might consider memory issues? Okay. You know, sometimes I wish I had a better memory for things like people's names. I can't even begin to tell you how many times, for example, I've been with Nancy, and let's say we're at Walmart, and somebody ten rows over shouts, Hey, Pastor! And I turn and I wave, and she says, Who is that? And I go, That was... I don't know. And maybe you've also heard that other thing that says, I never forget a face. Although I've heard in some cases I can make an exception. But you never forget a face, but there are some times that I even do that too. I look at them and it's like, who are you? And when you can't remember somebody's name or face, it can be somewhat embarrassing. And as I get a little bit older, the problem does not seem to be getting much better. But recently I read about a woman who had the exact opposite problem. She can't forget anything. She has total and complete recall of everything that has happened in her life since 1980. She remembers every detail of every day, what time she got up, what she wore, what she ate, who she talked to, and on and on and on and on. Name a date, and within seconds, she'll tell you what day of the week it was, what the weather was like, what she watched on television that day, down to the smallest detail. Now, for years, her memory has been the subject of scientific study. Uh, neuroscientists are intrigued with her condition, but this woman doesn't think of this as a condition. To her, it's a curse. She said in writing, quote, Some memories are good and gave, give me warm, safe feelings, but I also recall every bad decision, every insult, and every excruciating embarrassment. End of quote. Over the years, that condition to be able to remember everything has just eaten her up from the inside out, and she blames that memory for years of depression. Now, I can relate to some degree, and even though I may not remember where I left my car keys or you know, wandering around the other day with my sunglasses up here, wondering where I left them, or I can't remember somebody's name, there are other things that I remember all too well. For example, I remember hurtful things that have been said to me. I remember some of the stupid things that I have done. I can recall, with some degree of memory, some failures and mistakes and missed opportunities and even regrets. And sometimes these things are hard to let go of. And I'm not talking about stuff that happened last week. I'm talking about stuff that happened back in the 1950s or 60s. I went to college with a guy who had a photographic memory. And maybe not as extreme as that other woman I told you about, but he told me that when he was young, he had to learn what he called selective recall. 
Otherwise, he said that when somebody asked about his day, he would stand there and tell them everything he'd done. He would tell them about the fly that he stood and watched for hours crawling on the window or, or about the options he went through every morning in trying to pick out socks or how he tied his shoe. And he would repeat word for word what he'd read on the back of the cereal box while he ate breakfast. And I remember he said, man, that, that's kind of crazy. And he said, you know, uh, on the first day of school, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how bad it was. On the first day of school one year, my teacher asked me to tell the class what I did, uh, how I spent my summer vacation. He said, and when I was done, we were ready for Christmas break. The, his photographic memory got in the way of more than just his storytelling. He said he had to actually sit down and determine which details in his memory were important and which details in his memory were unimportant. See, without that distinction, he said he'd barely be able to function in this world. And and you know what? We need to learn to do the same. In fact, the reading that Jimmy shared with you before really talks about selective recall. Uh, There are some things that we need to make sure that we actually forget, and there are some things that we need to remember And that's what I want to talk about this morning, mastering what I would call a spiritual discipline, the spiritual discipline of selective recall. I didn't print an outline out for you in your bulletin, but you'll kind of see it up here on the screen. Let's talk about the principle of selective recall. There are some things you need to remember, some things you need to forget. Now, which is which? Let's start with things to forget. And I wrote them up there for you, but, you know, if someone has hurt you in the past, either with unkind words, unkind actions, and you're still hanging on to that hurt, let it go. Now, I know that that's not always easy. I mean, I sometimes remember things from my past and experience the pain all over again. I have to remind myself that same thing I've told many of you many times, which is called build a bridge and get over it already. It does no good to hang on to the hurts of the past. It's, if it's over and done with, be over and done with it. If it's an ongoing problem and it can be dealt with, deal with it. But if it's something in the past that can't be undone, our text would indicate just let it go. Now, I want to just be Captain Obvious for a moment. You know, if remembering something hurts you, forgetting it will help. Uh, it doesn't do any good to hang on to painful memories. Uh, not Nelson Mandela said, resentment is like drinking poison and then hoping it will kill your enemies. See, when you refuse to let go of the past, whatever your past may be, it only hurts you. Have you ever been angry towards somebody else and then suddenly discovered they've forgotten about it? You go, What do you mean? They forgot about it. And see, who's the one who's being hurt? It's just you, because you'll still hang on to it. If somebody has sinned against you, forgive, forget, move on. See, the same goes for your sin. There's something that every last person here, from Lacey all the way back, all the way back to Linda, that we have in common. We've all done things in our lives that we should not have done. Am I right? Am I right? Linda, is that right? Okay, I just want to make sure we got this whole room covered. Now, we call this sin. We all have a sinful past. 
Now, we'll talk more about, I'm going to talk about more about sin and forgiveness in a few moments, but right now I want to tell you that if you are still struggling with some guilt over some past sin, do what God did. And, and that's that He forgave you and you need to learn how to forgive yourself. God has let go of it. He's saying you need to let go of it too. I always think about how God says, I take all your sins and I bury them in the deepest part of the ocean. Now, if I were adding things to the Bible, and, and I can't, I would have added one more line that says, and, he, and then God put up a no fishing sign. You know, if he's going to bury them in the deep of the ocean, don't be out there every day fishing those sins back up. See, when you, forget, when you refuse to let go of your past, you're only hurting yourself. You need to let go. God's let go of it. When God forgives, he forgives. So you need to forget the sins of your past, and I will add, you need to learn how to forgive the sins of other people as well. You also need to learn to forget mistakes. Now, I'm talking about the things that you've done in the past that weren't necessarily sin. They just weren't smart. Anybody here ever done something that wasn't particularly smart, other than Gwen and me? Okay. We've all done, you know, bad choices. We just made bad choices. We made dumb decisions. We made bad investments. We, bad career moves. Uh, you know, some people spend their entire life playing this game called if only. I don't know, maybe some of you are really good at it. If only. You know, if only I'd done things differently. If I only I'd married somebody else. If only I'd cho- chosen a different career path. If only I had made this investment. If only I had listened to this person. If only I hadn't gotten in the car when I was drunk. You know, you know how those games go. If only, if only. And some people then hang on to their mistakes and their failures and their fears for years, and they let it ruin every last single chance they have at happiness in the future. And in many of these cases, these mistakes are not sins at all. But I'm going to tell you something. Hanging on to that is a sin. Because it keeps you from accomplishing what God has in store for you today. Listen again to what Jimmy read before. This is from Philippians 3.13. One thing I do. Now, I'm going to say, it's just one thing. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Now, what's behind you? It's your sin and your mistakes. Forget that stuff. Strain towards what's ahead. What's ahead? Well, he tells us. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Now, what is that goal? It's called heaven. Now, I can never get past this passage without remembering a really dumb mistake I made in high school, playing football. Intercepted a pass on about our own goal line, and I began sprinting 100 yards to score. As I was running faster and faster, I was picturing they were going to name me homecoming king for life, and I could date any cheerleader and, you know, marry several of them. And, you know, when I finally got to the far end, about the 10-yard line, I decided to turn around and look at how much distance my blazing speed had separated me from my opponents. And when I did, some fool punched the ball out of my arm, and they recovered it on about the two. Well, I do have a school record. Longest interception return ever without scoring a touchdown. When I came off the field, I can still remember Coach Scove grabbing me by the face mask, pulling me up to him, and he said, don't ever look back. 
every time I hear this passage, I remember that. Don't look back. I had a lady write a song for our confirmation class at the first church I was at, and she came back with the song was called, Don't Look Back, Keep Pressing On. It's kind of a cool song. See, Paul, when he wrote those words, was practicing what we would call selective recall. That's because there are some things we need to forget. We need to forget our sins. You know, God forgave him. Move on. You made mistakes. Okay, move on. But there are some things we need to remember. That's the next screen. Things to remember. One of those is every good thing that God has done for us. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8. When you have eaten and are satisfied, and I'm, I'm going to guess it's probably going to happen to you today around lunchtime, when you are, and when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. But friends, the simple fact is we tend to forget. Some time ago I came back a... Uh, came across a prayer list, you know, when I was keeping a prayer journal some years ago, and every item on that prayer list basically had been answered, and I had forgotten about it. Now, I'm sure that when I saw that prayer had been answered, I probably said, thank you, Lord, or praise the Lord, or something like that. But as time went by, the memory of God's provision kind of faded away, and I just moved on to something new to pray about. Now, I don't know, I'm going to test your memory here. I think about a year ago, I did a series of messages on the 23rd Psalm. Remember that? Those of you with good memories? And in it, I suggested an activity which I did for a while. I I put it in my little journal when I go through these texts every morning. And I asked you just to write down every day three things. Today was a good day because, dot, dot, dot. I don't know whether any of you did it. Today was a good day. Well, I I look back at it, and I wrote some really great stuff. Like, today was a good day because I had great Mexican food. I mean, some of it's kind of trivial. Uh, Today was a good day. The Cowboys actually won. But other times I went back and said, today was a good day because God answered this prayer. Or today was a good day because... God met this particular need I've been praying about. Or today was a good day because God opened this door of opportunity. We all know Nancy and I bought a new house. And uh, as we were standing in that house, I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Nancy made this comment. I mean, first of all, it was kind of like the house of our dreams. So we would say, today was a great day because God gave us a house we really kind of fell in love with. And then she said, this is a house of new beginnings. New beginnings. And and that's what you thank God for. Thank you for giving new beginnings, whatever they may be. I understand little Luke is coming home. New beginnings. Thank the Lord. Little Luke gets to come home. Uh, Jack Perry got to go home. Thank the Lord for that. And then remember those. It was a good day because of that. Now, every once in a while, I flip back to those pages. Just kind of remind myself what God has done. It kind of helps me remember that I've got more in my life than just mountains to climb or giants to battle. 
And that's just to make it a point every day to remember all those good and wonderful things that God has given you. The other point up there is it's good to remember what other people have done for you. Uh, there's an interesting book, uh, if you're in the business, uh, I read this a few years ago, it's written by Harvey McKay, it's called How to Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive. And, and he said that when you do something for someone, their gratitude will last only as long as it takes them to say that they're eternally grateful, and then they'll forget it. Now, that seems rather cynical. Uh, but that was his experience. And I'm just saying, don't let it be the experience of those people you know. When you are grateful for something, be grateful, stay grateful. Uh, when I was in Africa a few years ago, uh, one of the common things that the people there would say would be, be blessed. Be. And that's kind of a, st- that's a state of being. And so sometimes, you know, I was writing some birthday greetings earlier this morning. Be blessed. Stay blessed. That's what he's telling us to do. And this is especially true when you've got people in your life who don't exactly measure up to your expectations. You know, some people see their husband or their wife only in terms of how they have been measuring up lately. Like in the last couple of days. Some parents see their kids in the same way. They only see them in how they've measured up lately. I mean, their attitude is, today I'm not satisfied with you, and that somehow negates every good thing you've ever done in the past. You know, that's a terrible attitude to have. See, when Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, I love this. Uh, he wrote to the church in Corinth, and if you've read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, this was not a really great church. It had a lot of problems. I mean, you had guys shacked up with their mother-in-law. And, uh, you got guys that were getting drunk at the communion rail, you, at their communion services. You had backbiting and uh, you had parking lot conversations. You had dissension and division. And so Paul in First and Second Corinthians, what does he do? He hammers them. Boy, he's very direct with them. But does anybody remember how he started his letters? Let me read. This is First Corinthians chapter one. I always thank my God for you. That's how he always began. See, even though the congregation in Corinth wasn't there yet, Paul always had an attitude of thankfulness for their presence in his life. He didn't say, "Oh man, I rue the day I ever showed up in your city." He doesn't say, "Man, you you people are are more trouble than you're worth." He doesn't say that. He says, I always thank God for you. That's selective recall, isn't it? Selective recall. Yeah, he had serious problems with a group of people. He had to address them. He addressed them. But he made it a point to remember who these people really are and what role they actually played in the kingdom of God. My previous church uh, surprising, I had a bunch of former high school students join our church. They found out I was the pastor. They thought, well, come. I still remember one morning, a young guy named Steve, he stood off to the side with his wife. And I went up and I said, hey, Steve, how you doing? He says, I wasn't sure I wanted to come here. 
but my wife told me I had to. And I said, well, why wouldn't you want to come here? He says, you don't remember what happened in high school? And I said, well, I remember I kicked you off the football team. He goes, yeah. He says, I just figured, why would I want to come someplace where somebody hated me? And I said, I never hated you. Don't even to this day. In fact, I wouldn't even remember this had you not brought it up. You know, the look on his face was, <laughs> we have a picture on his front lawn on the day of his son's confirmation. And we stood there, Steve and his son and myself, and he leans over to me and he said, who would have ever thought this would happen? Now, how did that take place? Is because selective recall. Well, how do you put this into practice? How do you put it into practice? Uh, that's the next. Uh, very simple. It's a matter of choice. You, you just decide to do so. In Philippians 4, right after what Jimmy read, it says, think on these things. Think on these things. He's talking about making a specific and a deliberate choice to forget some things and to remember other things. He says in chapter 4, if you're going to think about anything, and this is going to cause some of you to remember Philippians 4, think about whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovable, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. If you're going to think about anything, think about that stuff. Anybody know who Clara Barton was? Founder, founder of the American Red Cross, right? Okay, you know that. Whoa. The adults around you had the vaguest idea. Matthew, he went, he, Matthew's going to look it up on his phone. Yeah. <laughs> Founder of the American Red Cross. She was confronted one day with a memory of a betrayal that she had experienced years before, but she acted as if it never happened. And a friend said, don't you remember what that person did to you? And Clara Barton said, no. I distinctly remember forgetting it. See, what you remember and what you forget is really up to you. I mean, just like many people who believe that they're always going to be victims. In fact, we live in a victim society today. It's like everybody's out to get me, that kind of society. Many people believe that they're always going to be victims of feelings or they're always going to be a victim of their thoughts. They, they keep telling themselves, oh, you can't control what keeps popping up into your head. Well, that's true. But you can control how much attention you give each thought that pops up. I mean, Martin Luther said something one time. It's really pretty funny. And this isn't going to mean much to some of you that don't have much hair like me. But he said, you can't, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. Now, what's he talking about? He's talking about selective recall. He's talking about choosing to think or not to think about certain things. That's why Paul told the Ephesians, you are made new in the attitude of your mind. In other words, change your mind. I've talked about repentance here for five years, I know. And, and I talked about it last week in another church. What is repentance? It is suddenly changing your mind, isn't it? And then changing your direction. In other words, if you're going the wrong way with a thought pattern, change your mind. Change your direction. Repent of it. Go the other way. In the book of Proverbs, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Well, guess what? So is a woman. As a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. 
I mean, really, you could translate that as, as a person calculates in his own soul, so is he. Now, Solomon's talking about focus, choosing to think about one thing and not another. You can calculate the right way. You can figure out what's right. You can figure out what's wrong. You know, right here, it's all there in this book. You can figure it out. And he said, it just depends what result do you want. I had somebody in the last week tell me, my life is a mess. I just don't know where it's going to go. It always seems to be going in the wrong direction. You ever met anybody like that? That's, that's a pretty easy one to answer. I said, you know, i got to take you back to my favorite Bible verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will straighten out your path. You want your path straightened out? Trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in every way. That, in other words, that just continually thank him for things. See, the path to spiritual growth and better relationships and overall happiness and fulfillment in life is a matter of choice. I choose to feel this way. I choose to think this way. I choose not to do that anymore. Now, is it as simple as that? Yes. Is it as easy as that? No. It takes practice. You know, it's like the guy came up to somebody in New York and says, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? And the guy said, practice, practice, practice. Well, how are you going to change it? You've got to practice, practice, practice. You take captive every thought. That's what the Bible says. Take captive every thought, look at it, and say, nope, not this one. It's not a one-time event. It's a daily discipline. You choose to remember what helps you. You choose to forget what hurts you. I'm going to give you an example to follow here. And this is God our Father who practices selective recall. Well, first of all, we know that God chooses to forget your sin. Isaiah 43, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. Well, God, do you remember back in 1967 when I did this? God, I go, what? No, God's forgotten. Hebrews 8, I'll forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. See, that's why it's so important for you to choose to forget the sins of others, choose to forget your own sins and your mistakes and failures because God has already chosen to do that for you. If there's something that God doesn't need to remember anymore, guess what? You don't need to remember it either. And also, God chooses to remember his promises. You know, well over 3,000 promises in the Bible. But again and again, if you read the Old Testament, it says God remembered. God remembered. I mean, God remembered Noah. God remembered Abraham. God remembered his covenant. God remembered his promise and on and on again. Now, obviously, that doesn't mean that somehow God was kind of go, whoops, almost forgot about Noah. Uh, no, it just means that God made a deliberate choice to think about his people and then act on his thought. Now, each time the Bible says God remembers, it's always followed by something God did for them. It's a good example to, to, to follow ourselves. When you think or remember something good, follow it up by doing something good. I mean, you can say, God, I remember how you blessed me, so today I'm going to make a point of blessing somebody else. I was at, you know, I saw 31 basketball games six days. That's my vacation. I enjoyed it. The last day I was hoping to take Nancy to the championship game. I had bought a ticket. 
uh, for the other day, the day before. Well, she was not feeling good that day, and so when I got to the game, I've got two, two reserved seats. As I'm walking up, there's a guy standing in line, and I said, are you looking to buy a ticket? And he goes, yes. I said, would you like a reserved seat? And he goes, yeah. And I said, here you go. And I just walked away. Now, he ended up sitting behind me. I mean, God had been good to me. Why not be good to someone else? You can say, my friend, I remember all that you've done for me today, and I want to stand by you someday when you're in trouble. Or you can say to your husband or your wife, we may be going through a little bit of hard time right now, but by God, I remember all the good stuff you've done for me in the years past. I'm going to thank God every day of my life for you, and we're going to get through this. See, God chooses to forget the ugly parts of our relationship we have with him. He chooses to remember the beautiful parts of his relationship that he has with us. I mean, these are good examples for us to follow with everybody, with our kids, our neighbors, our spouses, or whatever. Uh, when Nancy drags, or when Nancy asks me to go with her through gift shops, uh, I tend to, I have my iPhone with me, and every once in a while I see T-shirts, and they're kind of funny, so I take pictures of them. <laughs> but I saw a plaque this last week. It, it, it said, "When I do something right." No one remembers when I do something wrong. No one forgets. That's kind of a negative way of looking at things, but unfortunately, that's how we treat some people. Now, I'm just hoping today that this little section of God's word would encourage you and inspire you to kind of flip that tendency to choose instead to intentionally remember the good things that people do and to forget the bad. And in doing so, you end up being more Christ-like. You end up being more like your Father in heaven who chooses to forget your sin and instead chooses to remember all of the wonderful promises he has and wants to give for you. Let me read this passage one more time, and I hope you'll just stick this in the back of your brain all week. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. May it be so in all of our lives. Let's pray. Lord, today as we gather, we give you thanks for so many things again, and we give you thanks for uh, the health, the hope, the healing that you bring. Uh, we remember Jack Perry, and we're thankful that uh, he is back home where we're thankful for the improved health of uh, little Luke and that he's, he's home as well. Uh, other people who have been uh, sick or ailing in some way, we give you thanks for, for that, for, for all of the traveling that many people have been doing. We, we say thank you again for uh, safe travel. And, Lord, when we say thank you, help us to remember constantly uh, the thankfulness that we should have towards you. Enable each and every one of us to grow more and more Christ-like every day, uh, to learn how to put our sin behind us and to put the sins of other people behind us as well, to be kind and forgiving to one another. Lord, we also uh, pray that you guide this congregation uh, in, in their search for a new pastor. And, Lord, this morning, as I was reading through John 17, he said over and over, Lord, I just pray that we might all be one. And so I pray for unity in this decision. You know, whatever direction 
uh, you lead us in, and, and we prayerfully we need to see what it is that you're guiding us to do and then to follow, to set aside our personal preferences, to set aside, you know, some of the things that we may or may not like, particularly when we see what it is that you want to do. Lord, gather this place together and, and uh, continue to make it a special place to be, a wonderful place to be, your body of Christ known as First Lutheran Church. And, Lord, uh, be bold enough to pray for uh, Nancy and myself as we are in this transition period, that it goes smoothly, um, that things work out, and that uh, we have the strength and the uh, perseverance to be able to handle some of the changes, even as this congregation must do. And, Lord, too, as we're about ready to embark on Holy Week, we're mindful of that triumphant entry into Jerusalem even though the parade was interrupted for a brief time on that Palm Sunday and Jesus cried. We know we're going to be wandering through Maundy Thursday and thinking of that wonderful gift again that you've given us in the Lord's Supper. And then we'll sit here in the, in the, the diminishing darkness on Good Friday and ponder again the death of Jesus Christ, only to return on Sunday to celebrate his triumphant resurrection. Lord, you have been so good, so gracious to us, and all we can do is give you thanks and praise in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.